0: A question for you. Do you or a member of your team need to be trained on the new European medical device regulation? Then register to the Greenbelt certification program. Multiple sessions are available. Check at easymedicaldevice.com GB. And don't forget to use the promo code POD2022 to get 10% discount. P-O-D 2022. Okay, talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazouzi from EasyMedicalDevice.com. And today we wanted to talk about PMCF. So we already had some episodes before about PMCF, but this time I invited a notified body, so TUFSud, to help us uh, to understand how they view the PMCF. So uh, I have with me Matthias Finks, which is a man- manager clinical focus team at TUFE North America. So, Matthias, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast.
1: Thank you. Welcome. And thank you for the invitation to be here. And um, yeah, I would like to provide some notified body insight. As you yeah. all know, we have notified bodies cannot consult, but at least we can provide some insight and uh, some experience we gained so far with uh, PMCF under the MDR.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, we all know, I think, since my now a <laughs> few years that notified bodies cannot consult, they cannot get any, if I can say, adv- give any advice to a specific customers, et cetera, unless you have a contract with them and discuss with them directly. But yeah, this is uh, something that a lot of uh, notified bodies are, are warning us. So be be careful for, for this kind of thing. So Matthias, just before maybe to talk about PMCF, can you have, can we have a small introduction of yourself? Uh, of what you are doing exactly?
1: Sure, of course. Um, well, my name is Matthias Finger. as you have seen already. My background is I'm a medical doctor. I'm a boss certified orthopedic surgeon in Germany. Um, spent 17 years of my clinical career as an orthopedic trauma surgeon. And Six years ago, um, I was approached by Süd and um, they, they hired me, and I started as a clinical reviewer, reviewing um, all type of medical devices with a focus on orthopedic devices, um, I'm now also the um, senior global expert for the pediatric devices, within suit and um, after I transferred to our um, U.S. operations, I'm now, also, since two years, the manager of the clinical team here in the U.S.
0: Great. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I'm sure, yeah, this will be a really, I hope, all, all what we'll discuss today will be helping a lot of the manufacturers on uh, how to submit or how to, to uh, provide a lot of information related to PMCF. Um, so Matthias, uh, m- my first question is mainly about some, uh, uh, we try really to interpret each time we are reading the UMDR, we try to interpret it and read it and understand it, et cetera. But uh, when we start to look at the the UMDR, when we look at the requirements for PMCF and also the requirements for PMS, we see that there is a lot of links or a lot of similarities. So for you or, or for a notified body what is really the difference here between pms and pmcf can we make them comparable or they are really different completely
1: no they are they are not different uh, um, i mean they are basically it's it's one big topic and the pmcf is part of the uh, of the uh, pms of the post market surveillance um yeah let, let me quickly before i move into this quickly say because we all thought when the mdr was published we thought okay now we have a much more bigger regulation everything is clear now so we don't need all those guidance documents, all those discussions about different interpretations. Um, unfortunately, MDR is published since, I don't know, five years now, 2017, and we already have more MDCG guidance documents than we had MD uh, metaF documents in over 30 years of the MDD. So, um, and that's why it's very important. You need to read the MDR not once, not two, not three times. You need to read at least the relevant sections a couple of times, and you always will find new uh, topics and probably or you will hear something different interpretations. Um, and that's unfortunately the reason we need a lot of these uh, guidance documents to get a common interpretation of the MDR. And especially with the post-market um, surveillance, the PMS, what we're talking about today, uh, we're waiting for one big um, guidance document, which is the one on the PSUR, the Paragraph Safety Update Report, which is a requirement on the MDR. The MDR date of application was nearly a year ago And um, it looks like now in May this year, we hopefully will get this PSUR guidance document everyone is waiting for. So, um, coming back to your question, uh, PMS is always required. If you look at chapter seven and, um, Annex three of the MDR, it clearly, very clearly defines what is required as a post market system. Um, and if you see, um, or look at the requirements for a post market surveillance plan as laid out in Annex three, it says in the last indent, um, that it requires a PMCF. So PMCF is one part of uh, the PMS and you cannot consider one without the other. Right? Okay. Of course, right. it has a little bit of a different focus. PMS, post-market surveillance, is l- more or less the general surveillance activities. You have to consider all the vigilance. You have to do all the feedback. Uh, you might get complaints, sales data, and whatnot. And PMCF, post-market clinical follow-up, um, is really specifically... Um, the requirement and how manufacturers are collecting specifically clinical data for their device. But overall, it's part of the whole PMS system.
0: So can we can we have uh, in one side a PMS and in the other side a PMCF or, or can we have them all together in one document only? Is there some, some best practices here?
1: Well, as I said, the PMCF is, is mentioned as part of the PMS plan, but... Um, 2020 um, MDCG guidance document a 2020-7 on the template on the PMCF plan um, was published. And yes, it's MDCG, it's a guidance document. We all know all these guidance documents are not legally binding, but they um, reflect the current interpretation of the MDR. And for us as notified bodies, We are required by our competent authorities um, in the different member states to follow this MDCG documents. So um, this is one of the the advices I can give manufacturers who are listening here. Um, Use this MDCG guidance document, use this MDCG 2020-F template for the PMCF plan because the notified bodies are required to challenge you on the content, even if you um, might have your own template, might have your own PMCF plan. please be ready, you might get challenged on the content which is required on this NDCG document. So 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 that's really something that that should be followed here. So better
0: Mm -hmm. than to have two documents, one for PMS and one for PMCF that is following the NDCG guidance, I suppose.
1: It probably make make the workload easier on both sides, manufacturer side and the notified body side if you have two separate documents. And um, based on what we've seen so far, most manufacturers have a separate PMCF plan. uh, but there is no specific requirement. It could also be like an annex or just a chapter of the, of the PMS plan.
0: Okay, but following uh, the MDCG guidance, so mainly uh, on, this, uh, on this annex, it should be really mentioning everything that is uh, mentioned or yeah, displayed on the MDCG guidance then.
1: Exactly. As a manufacturer, is not required to use this, this template. We, on, our, on the other hand, are required to at least assess the content of the PMCF plan according to this MDCG paper. Um, so, as I said, that's really something I recommend manufacturers should do, should familiarize themselves with the MDCG 2020-7 um, and make sure that all the relevant aspects are considered um, in their own PMCF plan.
0: Okay. Um, the, the next point is mainly about uh, PMCF. As I've said, when we read the UMDR, we read the, the word PMCF, and we see some somehow, sometimes it says PMCF survey. So. When we talk about PMCF, is there only one PMCF or is there multiple PMCF that we are we can consider here with the MDR? I mean it's not clear on it's not it's it's clear for me because I understand how it's working, but I suppose for people that are reading the MDR maybe for the first time, as you've said, it's maybe not clear. When we talk about PMCF, it's not really um yeah, well
1: described, I suppose. No, I mean Looking where this is coming from, if you look back to the MDD or AIMDD, MDD, the MDD, when we are talking about PMCF, everyone automatically assumed, okay, PMCF means a PMCF study. If you're looking now at the MDR, the MDR now um, <clears throat> includes in uh, NX14 uh, Part B, where it's the PMCF plan, they say, okay, there could be specific PMCF activities like studies. So we're back to the PMCF study or like a registry, for example, but also a survey. I mean, uh, a PMCF post market clinical follow-up um, could be any activity um, <clears throat> initiated by the manufacturer to collect clinical data for their device in the post market setting. Again, it could be anything from a, from a survey, but then of course it has to be ensured that the survey really has a certain quality um, up to a, a full um, clone clinical investigation, like a post-market clinical follow-up study.
0: But if I don't need to do all that, because, because there is also one uh, sentence that everybody is reading and say, I will use that, which is a justification for not having a PMCF. They say, oh, I have a justification for not having a PMCF, so I don't need to go through all that. So oh, can you maybe just clarify this
1: point here? Yeah, I'm, I'm not very happy with that specific sentence. And I'm not sure if it really is meant that way or everyone is inter- interpreting it this way. Because if we are looking again at the requirements for a PMCF plan in Annex um, 14, um, Part B, the PMCF plan requires general PMCF activities, um, like they say, for example, um, customer feedback, clinical literature research, So just basically a plain uh, literature uh, database research without any um, specific goals there, just trying to get some um, clinical data on the device. And then they differentiate, on the other hand, saying specific PMCF activities. And that's what I I said before, like studies, specific surveys, uh, registries. These are all considered specific PMCF activities. And if you look a little bit more in the detail, um, and if you look a little bit back, what we have under the um, MDD, there we will always have this differentiation between, let's say, reactive and proactive PMCF activities. The reactive problems, uh, PMCF activity, like basically uh, the general PMCF activities, is the one the manufacturer cannot really influence. Uh, okay. If they get a feedback or if someone uh, publishes some kind of article mentioning their device, they they should know about that. Yeah? They, they should, even if they claim that they do not need specific PMCF activities, like um, they have sufficient data or they only have performance-based data for certain low-risk, uh, low-risk devices, they always should um, be aware and look lookout. okay, maybe someone is something, is something publishing about one of our devices. Yeah? So the general PMCF activities, also like any kind of feedback, like if the manufacturer is at a medical conference and they speak to key opinion leaders and get some feedback, or someone is going to call them and say, Well, I was using your device, but I had some suggestions or had some, some problems. Yeah. This is general PMCF, which is always applicable. Yeah. Specific PMCF, like really something a manufacturer is initiating to collect specific data for, for um, their device, like in a study, or they are addressing some specific registries they are aware of and might some talk data from there yeah that might not be always required so uh, i would like to see if the mdr would say as well or a justification why no specific pmcf activity is required because in my opinion and i've spoken to a lot of uh, people from other notified bodies it's general very generally accepted uh, opinion that the general pmcf activity is always required
0: so uh, i just to summarize so if we talk about PMCF, we have to sit in two phases. We have the general PMCF, which is we we say uh, required for everybody, so everybody should have a PMCF, a general PMCF, and they have to justify inside if they need a specific PMCF, saying that we need some specific activities additionally to to get that.
1: Is it really well summarized? Yes, exactly. Uh, general PMCF activity should always be part of the the post-market surveillance activities. If you're looking back um, under the MDD, and we had the PMS plan under the MDD, MDD didn't require a specific PMCF plan. We always had the PMS plan. This is nothing new under the MDR. Manufacturers were always collecting the feedback complaints. Um, They're always using um, key opinion leaders and whether not to get some some feedback. They always did a little search. So these activities, um, which already were part in a lot of manufacturers under the MDD, are now reworded into the uh, general PNCF activities. They're always required. And for the specific, as you said, it really depends if the manufacturer during his clinical evaluation comes to a conclusion um, we have some data gaps or we have some, let's say, limited amount of data for uh, certain indications, certain uh, patient populations. That's why we need to general specifically data um, for these indications.
0: So, so some people are comparing the specific or PMCF or PMCF survey to clinical investigations uh, because they say, oh, we have to engage with centers. We have to recruit some patients. We have to maybe uh, get, uh, get some authorization to do that. So uh, is it, is it that, or there is really a a misunderstanding?
1: Well, the survey, a lot of people review the survey as the, the holy solution for everything, because a survey could be considered um, a specific PMCF activity, but it really depends on the quality of that of the type of survey, um, and um, also a study. A study is a very broad term, and um, in my last six years working for a notified body, I've seen a lot of. Uh, what manufacturers considered a study and some of them are really well-defined studies following ISO 14155, for example, but sometimes they're more like just a summary of a couple of case reports and they still were considered a study. So they, unless you define it clearly a study, like considering um, what is um, laid out in Annex 15, yeah? a study could be everything. It's same with a survey. You, you could do a survey, for example, sending out to, I don't know, 50 users of the device, put in, let's say five smileys from very sad to very happy smiley and say, okay, please um, check how satisfied you're, you're with the device. Uh, you can probably get a very high return rate because it's very quick and easy to do. Uh, but this is more like a marketing thing, doesn't really help you in clinical data. If, if you show up at a notified body, and say, oh, we got uh, 25 happy and um, 25 less happy smileys for our in you know, our PMCF survey. It's not going to work. Yeah, but uh, you can you can do a register. Uh, sorry, you, you you can do a survey very closely to the requirements of a clinical study. So you have a plan for the survey. You clearly need to consider. Okay, what are uh, my endpoints? What do I need? Safety data? Do I need a uh, performance data? Yeah, there's specific, as I said this before, patient populations, niche indications. My devices um, indicated for that. I would probably need some data. And the survey should also be based on a certain plan. You need to um, have some at least statistical considerations here um, because there's always a very high rate of surveys which are not going to get answered. So you need to uh, calculate a very high possible dropout rate. Um, and if you have a... St- a survey that follows a certain scientific standard, uh, then, of course, a survey could be um, a very helpful tool to generate specific PNC data. So, uh, as, as you said, so
0: there is all those statistics, so there is the number of patients that we need maybe to involve on that. You have uh, some plan to create and then to, uh, to elaborate on, on this, and you have really to focus on, uh, risks for the patients or indications or etc. cetera and not marketing to say um, are you happy with the device or not i mean something that's really subjective so we have really to be focused on something that we can really evaluate and and something that is really concrete um in the case for example i mean we know that um, since um, two years now we had this covid situation um, we know that a lot of manufacturers started to create their PMCF plan and they said, oh, we'll have uh, 200 patients in our uh, study and we'll get, gather all those data. And then in, two, in one year, we'll provide you a report, etc." But COVID arrived and we cannot follow the plan as what we have planned here. So are you understanding that or what exactly the you are expecting from the uh, manufacturers, to come with to say, yes, he was the plan, but we cannot follow our plan. So we are now in the middle of the desert because we don't know what to do. So <laughs> what can they do then with that?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a really good question. And here's one of the very few advices we can give with an unified body, really proactively talk to us, talk, talk to your unified body. Um, we've seen this not only during the last two years, but especially during the last two years of COVID, um, a lot of hospitals limited their uh, inpatient contact. A lot of things were switched to telemedicine. A lot of operations were canceled. Patients were afraid to go to, go to hospital just for routine checkup. Yeah? And a lot of uh, studies, of course, were put on hold. Yeah? Because clearly we had different, a different focus in the healthcare sector the last two years than probably doing a, a PMCF study, for example. Yeah? Um, but we've also seen in the last two years, and I think this is where the COVID really um, initiated something that's definitely here to stay. A lot of study protocols and we're now switched to a little bit more like a virtual setup. Uh, things that in the past were done uh, with inpatient in the hospital can now be done, let's say, virtually. Patients can be follow up via telemedicine calls, video um, conference calls. So it's clearly something that might in the long run help manufacturers, because it established a lot of um, yeah, platforms and systems, how um, hospitals uh, can interact with patients. So in the, in the long run, we might want to see um, even maybe a hot, better quality of this type of studies, PMCF studies. Um, um, but of course, right now in the actual situation, <clears throat> especially at the beginning um, in 2020, when COVID started, A lot of manufacturers came to us, contacted us because they had probably an ongoing PMCF study. Um, There was some condition set by the notified body. Okay, please, within 12 months or so, we need to see at least interim data. And of course, um, we are aware of the situation. We have a clinical team. We have physicians working at TUSUIT. We, we understand, we know the situations. We all have worked uh, in hospitals, so we know the situation there. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to talk to your notified body. And if you can provide a comprehensible justification, let's say during COVID, a lot of operations were postponed or canceled, why you might not be able to reach a certain goal or might not be able to provide the data that you, let's say, promised at some point to a notified body. Yeah. Um, so, so we always a- need to talk to you and accept this.
0: Yeah, it's better mm-hmm. to do that proactively instead of waiting yeah. that you are the auditor is arriving and asking you the data and you say, I, I don't have them. I suppose it's better to do that in that
1: way. Exactly. Don't wait until you get the email from the notified body. Uh, your data were due four weeks ago or you, you, you had to plan to submit us the final study report four weeks ago. What happened? Yeah? So this is really one advice I can give everyone out there if you run into difficulties, and it doesn't have to be COVID-related, we all know um, conducting a clinical investigation, clinical study um, takes a long time. There are bumps along the way. There might be delays for whatever reasons. Um, very important is whenever you run into a problem, um, talk to the body, body. Um, they are there to listen and they are there to understand.
0: Great. Now, I think it's, a, it's really good advice. And I hope yeah people that are listening are maybe now not afraid anymore to talk, to contact you, maybe, and to, to discuss with you directly. Um, so, we have now um, this MDR, as you said, since last year, but start, people were already certified before that. So, um, there were, I suppose, that now you have reviewed some of the PMCF of the customers. So, um, I suppose you have also seen maybe common mistakes or common issues that people are doing. So uh, do you have maybe some, some, some advice or some, can you maybe list some, some of those mistakes if I can say, and then help people to say in that case, don't do this or don't do that, or give some advice for when they will be submitting their PMCF uh, next time.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, of course, I cannot go into any detail or provide any clear example. I don't want any listener out there sitting, wait, wait a moment. This is what we discussed with us <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> But of course, um, the MDR is enforced now or uh, was published five years ago. Yeah? And um, we are to suit roughly the last two years now. Uh, we are doing a lot of MDR reviews. I was involved in a lot of uh, in these projects. Um, so you, you see, of course, let's say some uh, common mistakes that you see a uh, couple of times. Um, yeah. So one, of course, is that manufacturers, probably be, before the MDCG 2020, seven. PMCF um, plan template was published. They already had their own template for a PMCF plan, which were based, of course, on the requirements um, as laid out in Annex 14 Part B. But um, there's a, the MDG is much more detailed, and the MCG has some uh, topics in there which are not directly written in the MDR. It's the interpretation of the MDR. So... Um, we've seen a manufacturer probably had to update their uh, PMCF plan because they had the template, which was not considering the MDCG. Um, but my feedback is, and what I've seen, manufacturers are always quite happy if they get something like the PMCF plan template, something they can use, they can work with. Uh, um, because um, if they use this type of templates, it in most situations reduces the um, the number of questions they're getting from a modified body. Yeah, So and, uh, really and, uh, that, that's something we have seen at the beginning That manufacturers had to make this active switch. And now we see it more and more they're using this template.
0: No, I think, I think it's completely right because uh, even me before before this p- template is published, I, I know that a lot of people were asking me, do you have a template for PMCF? Do you have this? We started to mm-hmm. create something, but I, I say, I cannot tell you it's the right thing because we are waiting for this guidance. But uh, yeah, we cannot inter- we cannot really think of everything by ourselves. So having a guidance like that, having a template is, is helping us if I can say to be all aligned. like like when we have on the MDR annex two and annex three that t- says to us exactly how it should look like a technical file is helping us also instead of being, if I can say, in the in the in the in an interpretation and, and just providing what we think is 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 good here. So the PMCF um, template, there is the plan, and I I think there is also the PMCF report uh, template
1: that was published by the MDCGs, correct? Exactly. This is the MDCG 2020-8. So Basically, we are published on the same day. It's the the, the plan 2020-7 and the PMCF evaluation report. I think that's the official name. It's the um, 2020- 8, which is basically a mirror of the 2020-7. So basically every section that is in the plan is now reflected in the report. Um, and of course, if the manufacturer is using the PMCF plan template, uh, um, it should be logical that they're also using the PMCF um, uh, report template, the 2020-8. And then of course, this this PMCF plan evaluation report then goes into um, the PSUR, the periodic safety update report, which is the other big issues we are seeing right now, which leaves even more uh, uncertainty, still leaves more uncertainty right now, because since we already issued MDR certificates in the last two years, and for implantable to be in class 3 device manufacturer need to submit um, their first PSUR one year after the issuing of the CE uh, certificate. So we're already seeing PSURs. We need to review PSURs. Uh, Article 86 is even shorter than um, part B of Annex 14 on the PMCF. So we have a very vague understanding how detailed a PSUR should be. We see PSURs already. Um, We have to review them. Right now we we read them based on our own uh, report template and everyone really is waiting for this PSUR MCG guidance. As I said earlier, um, the last information I got very recently it should be published in May this year. Okay. So So a few. Still still one year too late, but at least um, that's a big milestone, hopefully. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. I can imagine. So, um, so yeah, it's also a question that people were asking. So uh, we have the PMCF plan, but the report is later. It's the same for the PMS, the PMS plan, you have it for your submission to the notified body, but you normally write inside where that one year later you will get the report. So you should not come. I mean, I have seen some that says, oh, I should also come with the plan and the report. I said, yeah, but if you plan something, you will not get immediately the the information. So you have Mm. to wait maybe one year to get this information. So is it a correct interpretation to say you will receive the information about the plan, but you are expecting to get the reports one year later?
1: I have to look at this a, l- a little bit more in, in detail, depending, of course, let, let's say example, A, we having a novel device, not CE marked under the MDD before, so they come to the Notified Body for the first time. Okay. Of course, they have no uh, post-market data, nothing. They probably did a pre-marketing investigation. Um, so they they apply to the CE market and Notified Body for the first time for that type of device. Of course, they need to have a PMS plan and they need to have the PMCF plan already. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's quite straightforward. Now we're looking at the other example, uh, be a manufacturer of a legacy device, meaning any device which already was marketed and had a CE mark under the MDD. Of course, they already, regardless if it's one year or 10 years on the market, they already have some post market data because PMS was always required already under the MDD. So of course, if they um, now make the initial um, application for a CE mark under the MDR, They also need to have a PMS and the PMCF plan according to the MDR requirements. But of course, since they already have post-market data, they need to submit them. Uh, Of course, this part of clinical data, they are not required to use, let's say if they already did some PMCF in the past, they are not required to to use the um, PMCF evaluation report template, the 2020-8 because they basically the date of their application for the Mark under MDR, they are starting their PMCF activity according to the MDR. Yeah. But they should have either included in, in the CER and the evaluation report, their PMCF data. A lot of manufacturers already had some form of a, um, a PMS report in the past where there was all their post-market surveillance data, like vigilance data. Um, complaint, sales data, public available databases, whatnot. Yeah. So they clearly need need to um, disclose that and present that. Yeah. Okay. But they do not need to use. They do not need to have a PSUR or a PMCF evaluation report um, when they apply for the CMARC for the first time.
0: Okay. No, I think it's a good a good advice also because uh, I, I I think that yeah a lot of people were interpreting and they fact the, oh it's a first certification even uh, they were under MDD but it's a first certification under MDR. So we start everything from zero, but no, as it was already on the market, you have still some data that you can publish uh, for even for, for the MDR, which is uh, which is
1: great. Uh, some other mistakes maybe that um, that um, you have? I mean, not, not really mistakes, but things that people need to consider. One thing of course is also, we are still in the craze period until 2024. So manufacturers with an MDD or AMDD certified device are still allowed to put this on the market until 2024. Yeah? Uh, one thing to remember here, even the MDR or date of application of the MDR was delayed from May 20 to May 21. Yeah? Yeah. The grace period remained the same. So, under the initial plan of the MDR, we had a four year grace period. This is now reduced to a three year grace period, uh, which started in May last year. We already in April 2022, the grace period where manufacturer of an MDB certificate can, could, can place the device on the market. This is over in two years so everyone who is not ready right now uh, working with the notified body getting the applications underway um, and still probably working on uh, let's say applying how to get and when to get their mdr certificate they really have to hurry up so this is clearly something um, everyone needs to consider this is a hard deadline at this point uh, i haven't got anything um, there are discussions uh, coming from the industry that they say okay and we all know there will be a big wave of certificates expiring in 2024. Um, there will be a huge wave of applications coming in Notified Way, especially in the next year. So um, there is some discussion already to maybe postpone this deadline on the industry side. So far, we haven't got anything <clears throat> out of Brussels yet. Yeah. But that's really something to consider. And the other thing, um, which I think is also relevant, we have the NDCG. 2020-6, I'm sorry if I'm uh, spilling all out the MDCGs today, but this is the one especially for legacy devices which already <clears throat> had this mark under the NDD and now making transition under, to the MDR, and which might not have sufficient clinical data. And this MDCG um, document provides definition of well-established technologies. And for these type of devices, um, it's very important, not every a legacy device, which is already MDR, uh, MDD certified is a uh, well-established technology. But for these devices, there might be a lenient, more lenient way to make a transition of the MDR, MDR with less clinical data. But uh, if a manufacturer is using this justification because they have a device um, that can be considered well-established um, technology and then getting the MDR certificate, they need to have very stringent PMCF activity. And here we're talking about a specific activity in place um, to collect more data under the MDR to close this data gap they identified during the MDD period.
0: It's it's an important point that you are mentioning here because um, I have also had the experience with um, uh, making some CRs uh, that had some data, but for me, maybe not enough. Um, And we used uh, the fact that we will open a PMCF Uh, specific to collect more data while the device is on the market. So is this strategy to say the CR, maybe we have some data, but we can maybe get more. And um, as we don't have time to get more because we we still need to maybe make some studies for that. Opening a PMCF is something that can be convincing a notified body to say, okay, we agree opening a PMCF can help you, you a lot. Is this something that maybe you would accept?
1: No, certainly. I mean, now you're briefly touching the big question of the MDR, what yeah. is sufficient clinical data? Yeah, I mean, I think this would fill another whole podcast to define sufficient clinical data. And unfortunately, uh, I don't want to spoil anything here. It's it's no. not an easy answer, yeah. But that's exactly what a PMCF and the specific PMCF uh, activity is meant for. If the manufacturer during their uh, five stages of clinical evaluation come to the conclusion at the end, okay, um, let's say we have three indications for our device, they are a little bit different from the the medical condition. So we cannot just use the clinical data interchangeably. So we need to identify three different data sets to cover all three different indications. And they might come to the conclusion, okay, we have sufficient uh, clinical data for indication one and two, but we clearly see for whatever reason, have not enough data at this point for indication three. They might be able to use, um, because it's a well-established technology device, NCG 2020 7 use data of a lower quality um, at this point to make a decision in the MDR, but then it's clearly expected that they um, proactively close this data gap uh, and initiate some specific PMC activity. I'm not saying it has to be a study, it depends on the device and the risk class, and um, let's say that the type of indication in this case, but to close this data gap, um, that, um, and again, we, we will see. Every five years is the, the usual the turnaround time that, that notified bodies review um, the full documentation yeah, to get some more data than to close this type of data gaps.
0: So, um, yeah, so the PNCF can be a, a solution, but uh, it's not really the solution. I mean, it's a, I suppose it's also case by case uh, for each uh, each product one by one. You have to look at that. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, you have to look at. So one thing that you've said is important is that you are having some intended purpose for your device. So with indication, some claims for your device. So each claims should be backed up by some clinical data. Each claims one by one. If you have three claims, as you've said, and if only one is not backed up by clinical data, can we then claim the device for that? Or should we say no, then we remove that from our claims?
1: That depends on the claim. I'm mean, well, let's, or let's, let's say stick, I mean, indications are claims as well. Uh, the medical claims are the indications. That really depends on the indications. I mean, uh, and that's the reason why um, modified bodies are not really required to have clinical expertise. Um, we are to see already uh, working on building up our clinical team since the last six or seven years. Uh, and that's also the reason why manufacturers need to have a broader team. Um, of clinical evaluators and need to have some clinical expertise either internally or working with external medical consultants um, because they need to define okay and uh, they, need, they basically need to define okay we have three different we make three different medical claims like we have three different indications um, and can we use let's say one data set to cover all indications or do we need um, specific data sets for different indications. And that really depends depending on how what they define, how detailed and what level of granularity they're going down to indications. Let's say <clears throat> if you go down, and this is, this is my my home turf here, if you go, go down to orthopedic um, trauma devices, there's the, a very detailed classification of different fracture types. You can have one long bone, let's say the femur and in the upper thigh, and there is a very detailed classification depending on the location, on the um, the, the number of parts of the fracture. uh, And if you want to go down to each and every one of these, uh, um, this would be a huge CR with I don't know how many subchapters just on these different fracture types. Of course, some of them can be grouped together. But you cannot say, for example, you have a very simple shaft fracture of the femur with two uh, pieces, and then you have a very complicated comminuted uh, fracture of the distal part where the whole neutron is destroyed. Um, Of course, if the device works for the shaft fracture, it does not automatically, you cannot maybe conclude it works for a very difficult uh, joint fracture. So these are the things that need to be considered. That requires getting expertise on the manufacturer and then the notified body side. Some indications can be crude, but... um, I'm sorry to say that it will be always be a case by case decision. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can look at I can see that. And and we understand, as we said, a medical device can go from a wheelchair to a pacemaker to an MRI. So mm-hmm. it's like really a, a, a big variety of products, which makes it like a bit difficult to have one solution that fits every, every product. Um, it's not possible. It's not possible. Exactly. So Matthias, uh, really thank you. I think, it was really covering a lot, all, all my questions. Do you have maybe a last advice, maybe for the auditors or uh, related maybe to
1: PMCF, PMS, or even UMDR? You know, again, as I said, look and consider the mdg documents. They are interpret or they, they are the current interpretation um, and should be considered by every stakeholder. Um, everyone has to that with the PSUR. We have to wait. We have to uh, see what is coming up or how it's going to get published. Also with the PSUR, Um, is very closely linked to the UDIMED, we still don't wait for the UDIMED module. So unfortunately, a lot of things we should have had at least since two years now, we are still waiting for. Um, Very important also, make sure that you um, understand the differences between a general and specific PMCF activity, um, and that you make a very clear detailed analysis um, during the evaluation, which type of specific PMCF activity might be required. And if you come to the conclusion, that this specific activity is um, applicable to your device or you come to the conclusion that you don't need specific PMSAP activity, Um, always make sure provide a detailed justification for the notified body, because it's our job as a notified body to um, review your data and then, okay, we can accept or cannot accept the justification. But this is not our, we are not in the position that we look at your data and then we make our justification saying, okay, I understand. That's why I can accept this because we only basically assessing um, your justification and your explanations.
0: Exactly. They they should provide you all the details because you have to understand all the story before you can make your own opinion of it. So which is uh, which is great. Um, Okay. so thank you, Matthias. Um, For people that uh, maybe wants to follow up with you, I will just place maybe your LinkedIn on the on the show notes. Uh, And maybe there will be also other links. We'll we'll look at what we can provide to you for PMCF and and uh, and activities and so that maybe can can be helpful for for the audience but um thank you Matthias really was was uh, uh, i think great answers and i hope it will be helping uh, all our audience here um so for the people that are listening to this podcast so don't hesitate if you have any question or whatever you can send me also an email at info info at easymedicaldevice.com and i uh, will try to help you and if you have any questions to matthias as i've said i will put the link in and i can really provide everything to you so matthias
1: really thank you and i will you a nice day thank you and thank you for having me and have a nice day too bye bye thanks for listening
0: so if you like this episode please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it and also don't forget to share it with your colleagues thank you very much